Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. You are now live with the Word on Wednesday. And tonight we begin a very, very serious discussion. It is one that um, it's surprising for me to have to handle because, as you know, normally um, I do book studies and I very seldom do a topical study. But tonight we're going to do a topical study. Uh, study uh, because this is our summer series and because so many people are going on vacation and are missing, what we decided to do is just handle topics and that way um, anybody that goes back can get the topic. Um, And tonight's topic is suicide in the church. And suicide is very, very serious. It's something that we don't uh, spend a whole lot of time uh, on as a matter of fact, the church ignores suicide for the most part. Somebody dies, and you know we pray for them, we pray for the family, but we never really take a look at some of the causal data. Uh, we never really take a look at uh, methods of prevention and, and how it impacts the church, and more importantly, the church's response to suicide. So what we want to do tonight is we want to. Um, First of all, we want to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive in uh, to the suicide and the church. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We come to bless you. We come to praise you. We come to magnify your name. For you are good, and your mercy
Father, tonight we tackle a subject that is seldom talked about in your house. As a matter of fact, um, many families who uh, are impacted by suicide are ashamed and are, are ashamed to even mention it in the church. It ought not be so. So, Father, we hope tonight by your leading and guiding us through your word that you would equip us as to how we can handle and how we can help victims or potential victims of suicide. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's talk about suicide. Um, I want to start out by answering a question for many. What has suicide, what does the church have to do with suicide? What does does the church have to do with suicide? You know, the church was the site of one of the most horrific suicide events that ever took place. In on November 18, 1978, a dynamic leader of a religious group called the People's Temple ordered his followers to drink cyanide-laced juice. In all, 913 people died, including 300 children. Some of you are old enough to remember this suicide event because the leader, the dynamic leader that we are talking about was none other than Jim Jones. And he led a group of people into the jungle and when things got bad for him, he just they drank cyanide-laced Kool-Aid and they killed So we have to be aware that, that there's leaders out there, there are charismatic leaders out there who have the capability of enticing people to kill themselves. And suicide, not just not just that, but suicide, suicide in the United States is a, a, a epidemic proportions. Did you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time reading some statistics to you so you can understand how important it is for us to be aware of what's going on around us in the area of suicide. Did you know that every 28 seconds, someone attempts suicide? So just think, before your clock, the minute hand on your watch can go from 12 to 6, somebody somewhere in the United States is attempting Suicides claim two and a half times as many lives in this country as homicide. So, and you know all the murders that are going on. So now, murder is not the number one killer. No, it's suicide. Two and a half times. So if there are 500 people that are murdered in the city of Chicago, for example, multiply that by two and a half. And what you get is the number of people who actually kill themselves. So it's a two and a half, 2.5 times 500 is what? 1,000, 1,500. 
1,500 people will kill themselves. Okay? A suicide occurs in the United States every 12 minutes. Every 12 minutes. So, before, if we, if we spend, and I'm, I'm going to guess we spend about a little bit better than 30 minutes, three people in the United States will kill themselves. Three people will kill themselves in the next 36 minutes. From 1999 through 2017, the rate of suicide has increased 33%. So even though we claim that our economy is getting better, what is happening right now is because of suicide, okay, uh, uh, what's happening is suicide is on the increase. In the United States, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death. Heart disease and cancer are number one and two. But down at number 10, is suicide. In 2017, the highest suicide rate, 20.2%, was among adults between 45 and 54 years of age. The second highest rate, 20.1%, occurred in those 85 and older. And younger groups have consistently lower suicide rates than middle-aged and older adults. But in 2017, Adolescents and young adults aged 15 to 24 had a suicide rate of 14.46 per 100,000. So the suicide rate amongst adolescents is even higher. Now, so who's doing all this killing? Well, first of all, male suicide rates are three times that of females. So males kill themselves more often than females. And the way that males choose to kill themselves most of the time is through a gun. They just take a gun and blow themselves away. Whereas a female, she's more likely to um, take a pill or jump off a bridge or uh, drowning in a bathtub or something like that, or take some pills and just go to sleep and just, just slip down in a tub. And, you know, even as I give these statistics, some people might say, well, yeah, a big deal. That ain't no big deal. I mean, it is a big deal. And it's not a lasting matter because as we continue to go through um, these statistics, it's going to touch home because suicide touches everybody everywhere. There's nobody that does not know somebody at some point who's attempted suicide or even taken their lives. Uh, many families have people in them where suicide has touched them. So this is an important, important topic. Suicide among young people is the second leading cause of death. From, the, from age 5 to age 24, the second leading cause of death is suicide. The first cause of death amongst the teenagers is, is um, um, accidents. Accidents are the number one cause of death amongst teenagers, but the second leading cause is suicide. Do you see, do you see where this is going? 
majority of children and adolescents who attempt suicide have a significant mental health disorder. It's usually depression. Based on the 2017 Youth Risk Behavior Survey, 7.4% of youths in grades 9 through 12 reported that they had made at least one suicide attempt in the past 12 months. Think about this. Get 100 kids in a room. Get 100 kids in the grades 9 through 12. This is high school age kids. Get 100 high school age kids in a room and count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. That's how many kids have attempted suicide that made at least one suicide attempt in the past 12 months. This is growing in epidemic proportions. Female students attempted almost twice as often as male students. Black students reported the highest rate of attempts, 9.8%. Again, get 100 black kids in a room. 100 black kids, high school age kids in a room. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, almost 10. 9.8%. So might as well round up 10. 10 of them are going to try to commit suicide or have tried to commit suicide within the past 12 months. Approximately 2.4% of all students reported making a suicide attempt that required treatment by a doctor or a nurse. For those requiring treatments, rates were highest for black students. Thoughts about suicide and suicide attempts are often associated with depression. In addition to depression, other risk factors include a family history of suicide attempts, exposure to violence, impulsivity, aggressive or disruptive behavior, access to firearms, bullying, feelings of hopelessness or helplessness, and acute loss or rejection. Let's back up and let's talk for a minute. Because these are about our teenagers now. Depression. Does any of you, I mean, I know most of my audience is adults. I have very few teen viewers. But do any of you remember what it was like when you were a teenager? Were any of you bullied or made fun of because of the way you looked? And some of you go back to your adolescent days and remember that even though now you're tall and scatterous, that you looked at yourself and you thought that you were odd-looking and gangly and, and, and or your head looked funny, or your hair didn't quite fit, or somebody said something wrong to you and made fun of you or something. Do you remember those days? That's what the teenagers go to. As they go through trying to find their identity, oftentimes something can happen that will send them into a depressed state. And then back then, we didn't have access to guns. Now these kids got access to guns or uh, they're so exposed to violence, the violent video games that they have, that 
that some teenagers go into their rooms and they play them games half the day and half the night and, and all you hear coming out of their rooms are boom and pow and, and blood and guts and all of that kind of stuff. That makes an impression on them. And then you go to the movies and, you know, God knows I love me some Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone and, and I love the, the, the shoot 'em up movies, but, you know, all blood and guts flying everywhere. And these are this exposure to violence has an impact on our kids. But even worse, here in the city of Chicago, can you imagine the stress that our young people are under right now due to the gun violence? They can't go out to the playground like we used to play basketball. They go, or they can't sit on the front porch and you know talk to the little girls. They can't do any of those things. Why? Because of gun violence. And then there's a sense of hopelessness amongst our teenagers because they can't find jobs. And this goes even further than just our teenagers. It goes to our young men and when they get in their twenties and their thirties, or in especially if they've had any kind of, of 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 contact with the police and the pedo system, can you imagine how depressing that is to have a felony charge and knowing that for the rest of your life you got that stigma attached to you. You can't go get a good job and. And if, and if you do lie on your application and they find out about it, you you always got that cloud over your head. No wonder the rate of suicide is so high. But one of the things that I want that I want to say to you is, it's not just the children. Do you know that sixty percent of all suicides are white males? White males. Are the leading contributor to suicide rates throughout the United States. Let's stop for a minute and let's get real. Let's tonight define what is suicide. What is suicide? Suicide is not a person. Killing themselves. Suicide is self murder. Suicide, that's exactly what it is. You murder yourself. That's suicide. And how does that relate to the Bible? Well, Exodus 20 and 13. Thou shalt not murder. When a person chooses to kill themselves. When a person chooses to kill themselves, they violate God's commandment to not murder themselves. And why should the church, and specifically, why should Christians, why should Christians be concerned with people who break the law? That's what we're going to spend a little time on tonight. Why should Christians be concerned with people who break 
the law. Because that's our job. Because that's what we're here for. Suicide is not going to go away. As a matter of fact, from me, from my, in my estimation, the rates of suicide will continue to climb because Satan has fixed the environment and continues to make the environment, the atmosphere, conducive to suicide. Satan is sharpening his bag of tricks so he can entice more and more people, more and more Christians to commit suicide. Why do you say that, preacher? Why do you say that? Well, let's take a look at it. The environment for suicide is enhanced by these new laws that make marijuana legal. You see, alcohol plays, like now, plays a major part in suicide. Drugs play a major part in suicide. Look at how many people are committing suicide due to our, the drug epidemic that we have going on in the United States today. Look at how the death rate amongst people that get hooked on this oxycotton. You see, when there's drugs, when there's alcohol involved, you can rest assured that the suicide will follow. And now here in Illinois, we have just legalized marijuana. And I'll guarantee you that there is a, 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 a positive relationship between marijuana legalization and suicide. What is a positive relationship? It means that as, as the availability of marijuana increases, so will the rate of suicide. What else? Increased gambling. As we legalize gambling, bring more casinos on board, bring, give more opportunities for people to um, go down this avenue of get rich through, through gambling. And if anybody ever studied statistics at all, the odds are against you winning any money, period. When you go to a casino, what you are going to do most of the time, now I'm not saying that you will never win. You win a little bit every once in a blue moon. But if you're told the truth, more often than not, if you go in with a thousand dollars, you don't come out with five thousand. If you go in with a thousand, you coming out with nothing, unless you got sense enough to know when to quit. And most people get in there and they get in that environment, and the next thing you know, if you hear those machines, ding, 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 and the machines got all their money, and the card table got all their money. Why? Because the odds are in their favor. You go in with a hope and you come out with your dreams dashed. And you can only take that so many times. And if you're one of the ones who, who uh, uh, um, lose control of yourself, complete control, utter control, the next thing you know, you gamble away your car. You gamble away all your savings. You gamble away your retirement. And you look up and you find yourself in a state of hopelessness. And eventually you say, well, you know what, I ain't got nothing to live. 
And what are we doing right now in our society? We are making gambling more accessible. Lack of gun control. I told you before that men uh, um, will kill themselves using guns. And what are we doing right now? Guns are even more prevalent. I don't even have to go through this. I mean, every time you look up, somebody is, um, not too long ago, guy lost his job. He was a violent person anyway. And he goes in, what does he do? He blows everybody up. Then he messes around and kills himself. You know, suicide. I mean, come on. Are you seeing where this is at? Less care for the mentally disabled. What did we do to balance our budget? We closed all of the facilities that took care of the mentally disabled, and we told them, you own your own partner. Do the best you can. And so what do they do? What, schizophrenics, what do they do? They, they have a, 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 a manic depression, depressive. What do they do? They kill themselves if they don't have their medication, if they don't have somebody caring for them. Men and women returning from military service. That's the thing. We told you, exposure to violence takes you to a place. And, and I feel so sorry for some of our veterans because they did what we asked them to do. And after they are done with their service, we just tell them, hey, we put a pen of metal on them or give them some benefits or something and say, go readjust the society. How are you going to readjust the society without help? after all the horrific things that you have witnessed, experienced, and even done to stay alive. But yet, after going through that, after being taken apart as a person and put together as a soldier, then all of a sudden, they're so, they're, when they, because they're discharged, because they're no longer needed, because they're too of duty, they're supposed to just be able to just, you know, as they say, just turn it off on a on nickel. Oh, no. No, no, that ain't how it works. Men and women who experience incarceration and have difficulty re-entering society. You're going to one of them hell holes called a jail. You spent five or six years in darkness and amongst depressed people, amongst violent people. Do you think that you're just going to walk out and take a shower and everything's going to be hunky-dory and there is no, no residual effects from that? Oh, come on. And that's why we have this epidemic of suicide running rampant throughout our land. Let me just say a couple more things. Suicide impacts the church. Our members are a part of those statistics that I just cited. Suicide does have an impact on saved, sanctified believers. Suicide has an impact on the tithe. Suicide has an impact on the church worker, that, 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 that man or that woman, that boy or that girl that is active in ministry. Suicide will impact them, will creep upon them. Depression will creep upon them. 
violence would creep upon them, them being overly exposed to those video games and, and the things that are happening in society. Our members oftentimes will slip into drug use. Maybe they broke their leg or something and the doctor prescribed oxycontin for the pain or they had a bad back and, and they gave them some type of addictive drug. And they are being shamed in the church or they are ashamed of the position that they're in uh, because they know that they're dependent on this drug and they're going through all kinds of, of machinations trying to get that drug. And they're, all, and, and they're ashamed to be discovered and they finally can't control it anymore and all of a sudden they come up missing. It impacts our members. These are our kids in those schools who are scared to go to school because they're going to get shot at. These are our children who are victims of violence and drugs and bullying. Yeah, our children. When I say our children, I'm talking about the church's children. These are ours. And so we have to be aware of the symptoms. We have to be aware of what's going on in society as a church because we need to address these suicides. Let me go a little bit further. Suicide also attacks, uh, impacts the pulpit. If ever there is a person who is open to an environment that is conducive to suicide, it's the pastor. Let me read you some statistics, okay? Seventy percent of all pastors fight depression. You see, you see them on Sunday morning when they are delivering the word of God under the power of God. Don't wait till Monday morning, catching Sunday evening after that last service. Catch him when he's saying he wonders that I effectively represent God today. Catch him when he's, 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 he's beating himself up over his sermon and his sermon preparation and his sermon delivery and the fact that he, was, he had worked so hard and when he extended the invitation week after week after week after he worked so hard that nobody comes down the aisle. How do you think that? Failure. That's how we count it. Been there, done that. Week after week after week, we're in that word. We're on our faces. We're ministering to people. And when we look for a harvest, there is. Seventy percent. It's not just the harvest; it's the hell. The hell that can come from a, a, a board. The hell that can come from um, the parishioners. Somebody just don't like what you're doing, or don't like the direction that God is sending you to, and so they just constantly niggling at you, and you have to, you know, maintain your coolness. When everything inside of you want to just pick and knock the fire on more, or just say, God, look, you see how this person is vexing me, and I'm trying to do right for you. Why don't you just strike them down with one of them bolts of lightning you got saved up? And you think I'm kidding, but we feel that way. Sometimes we want to kill sheep. 
out of the ten people that graduated with me, eight of them quit. Eight of them quit. They're done. They're not done in five years. They're done. They didn't find themselves something else to do. Gave up. Ministry. I, I, I say a lot of people want to get into ministry and everything. And I, I don't discourage them because it, it's, it's got to be a call of God. And I, that's the only thing I tell them. If God called you, if God didn't call you, you better leave it alone. You better leave it alone. And some people say, well, you think, you know, might think, hey, you think you this and you think you that, and just because you went in, but no, 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 baby. I'm like, no, no, no. Ministry is nothing to play with. And you need the power of God to sustain you. You need God's power to sustain you. What does it got to do with the Bible? Let me tell you two ways that the devil is operating in suicide. He's operating with depression, and he's operating with demonic, uh, demonic oppression. Physical depression, he'll weigh you out physically and take you down, or he'll use a demon. Two passages of scripture because it's just Bible study. You know, you know um, I got caught up in the statistics, and the reason why I got caught up in the statistics is simple because I wanted you to know that this is a, a, a problem of epidemic proportion. It ain't going away. Just like people are out there killing themselves, we are the ones. The church is responsible to bring life. And the devil is plotting to bring death. And if he can get one of ours to kill themselves, if he can get people in society to kill themselves, he wins the game. Let me let me take you to some scriptures real quick. First of all, I want you to understand that no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter how big you get. Because I'm trying to think of the guy's name who was on the top of his game. He was on the top of the world. He was a big-time pastor, and they found him in a hotel bed and killed himself. Right there. I forget his name, but, yeah, it happens. It happens to the best of us. And make the first time. Turn with me to um, 1 Kings 19 real quick. I know I'm. I know I've been ranting and raving, and I'm way over, but I got it. I'm going to take my time tonight and get this done. First Kings chapter 19. You know, one of the one, one of the greatest prophets of all time okay, was a guy by the name of Elijah. And remember when Elijah faced off against the prophets of Baal, choose you this, this day whom you will serve. If God be God, then serve God. But if Baal be God, then serve Baal. Remember that? He just come from seeing God rain down fire on heaven. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, after he's killed off the prophets of Baal, after he stood for God, look at what happened at Elijah. I'm going to read that to Elijah. I'm at um, 1 Kings chapter 19. Verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, 
so may the gods do to do to me and more also. If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow, then he was afraid, and he arose, and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, Take away my life, for I am no better than my father. Here is the man of God. Here is the prophet of God saying, I can't take no more. He has been overwhelmed by the stressors of his occupation, and he lays before God in the wilderness and says, now, if we look at this in isolation, we, we, we might say, well, you know, he's just overwhelmed for a minute. No. Like most pastors, he's been in the game a long time, remember, for three years. For three years. There has been no rain. And the heavens have been shut up. And it was at his word. Go back and read it. He says, at, the word, at my word, there shall be no rain. For three years Ahab had been after him, chasing him down because he wanted to kill him because he knew that at the heart of the problem, according to Ahab, was this prophet who was standing for God. And finally he can't take it no more. You see, that's what I'm talking about the pastor. That's what I'm talking about, Christian. You get to a point where you have served God, and you are so tired and you're so weary, and even though God has shown himself strong in your life, here comes that one little thing that, that the devil sends your way saying, I'm going to get you. Now, you might say, well, Elijah, you just saw God rain down fire from heaven. Why don't you trust it? You've been here long this long, and you're just tired. That's, their, that's what Satan is looking for. That's what he's looking for. That one time that you're just too tired to do anything. That's Elijah. He uses physical weariness to drive Elijah to a point of depression and despair where Elijah says, But, and then he also uses the demon. Look at this. Um, I think this is Mark chapter 9. Look at Mark chapter 9. Turn over with me real quick. Yeah. You know, sometimes we, we, we want to pray something, at, or, you know, we want, we want to just think, well, you know, we tell people, trust God, trust God, trust God. No, you're you dealing with a demon. You're dealing with a demon. Look at Mark chapter 9 real quick. I know I'm long. I was on vacation, so I'm full. Right now. Chapter 14. Oh, excuse me. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately, all the crowd, 
when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you. For he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he, and he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, he came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Sometimes we're dealing with physical oppression. Other times, suicide is caused by Physical oppression. I want, I want you to hold on to that. I want to, I want to close tonight because I've spent the night just giving you statistics, showing you how relevant this is to the church and why we at the church have to take a look at this and come up and make sure that we have the proper strategies and the proper ministries in place and that we are aware of our participation and how important we are to stemming the tide of suicide, not just in the church, but also in the world. Let me tell you why. I'll give you this and then I'm going to leave you. Um, go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 15. Now, no long tonight, too bad. Yeah, if we're going to do uh, this, is, this is the summertime, so we're just going to take our time. Verse 15. He said to them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, 
and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Quickly, first of all, those of us who have the revelation that Jesus is the Christ and have accepted him as Lord and Savior have the keys to the kingdom. Whatsoever we permit on earth is permitted in heaven. Or excuse me, whatsoever we forbid on earth is forbidden in heaven. And whatsoever we permit on earth is permitted in heaven. And that doesn't mean that, that we have an impact on heaven. What it means is that we are so in line with God himself because we have the mind of Christ who submitted to the will of the Father. We are so submitted. We are praying by the Spirit of God that we only allow what God allows and we forbid that which would, would God does not allow. And so God does not wish for us to kill ourselves, for man to kill himself. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And the church, you saved, sanctified believers who are in tune with God, who are walking with God, have the key of salvation that will prevent from killing themselves because you have the words of eternal life. Would you meditate on that for a little while? That's what I want you to do. I want you to just meditate. I want you to hold on to that. I want you to hold on to the things that we've talked about tonight until next week because next week we're going to continue and we're going to show you how to use that power of binding and loosing how to use those keys to help those who are in despair or under demonic oppression to move them away from suicide. This has been Pastor Winston Burns. Wait a minute, that's right. I got to pray. We thank you, God, that you have exposed to us, that you exposed to us the fact that the devil has sharpened his tool and he's coming at us with suicide. God, we need you. Tonight, if you heard some noise in the background, um, it's because we've got some folks out that are doing, just doing some work on the house, and they did their best to um, 
uh, things quiet, and they did a wonderful job. But I just want you to know that um, that, that noise in the background is progress. And so um, hopefully it didn't disturb anybody too bad uh, in, in the YouTube uh, application that we use. We'll try to take some of that out. But if not, hey, we get the point. We got some work to do, and we need to pay attention. Be blessed. I'll see you in part two next.